2: This episode contains disturbing content. Listener discretion advised. Sherry was quick to remind anyone that would listen that she was just a poor woman from Ohio. Being poor was part of her persona, her identity. She often said that true believers don't do it for the money. They do the work that they do in service of YAH.
3: Another Washington Post reporter uh, had made a comment uh, about my involvement with the internet, my websites, all the time I spend my radio show. And he said, so this is how you make your living? And I said, no, I don't make a living doing this. I, I said, this is how I spend my time. And he said, well, how do you make a living? And I said, my husband's a carpenter. Because it's one of the, the biggest tools of Satan. You'll see it with this henchmen all over the Internet. Oh, she's getting rich off her books. Oh, she's just doing it for money. And it's like, you know, if I was doing it for money, I certainly wouldn't have chosen this. <laughs> uh, I have a college education. I would have gone and, and, and pursued my dreams I had back in college rather than, than sitting talking about aliens and UFOs day in and day out, warning the public about what's coming. Uh, and it certainly hasn't made me rich. I live in the ghetto. My car is 14 years old.
2: But for someone whose identity is so rooted in being poor, Sherry talked about money a lot, and mostly in the context of wanting more of it.
3: Don't forget, folks, I need to raise 50000 by April. Let's get it done. Let's just get it done. If you've got finances, please donate them to this ministry and this war so we can get going and get busy. The things we need to do this year.
2: In 2015, she revealed on her radio show that she wasn't just an angel. She was a very specific angel.
3: The father talks about his begotten somebody. What they don't talk about is his begotten daughters. And, and back in the day when I was in heaven uh, with the Lord, I was Queen Shazarazi, known as Queen Shazarazi.
2: Sherry said that she was one of God's 14 actual children, the literal sister of Jesus Christ, known as Queen Shazarazi in heaven which is oftentimes shortened to Queen Shaz by the Orgon warriors.
3: I was known as the queen of fire. Uh, I had supernatural strength. I have memories of just sitting on one planet and I could throw a thousand pound hailstone of fire and hit another one.
2: Just like Jesus was sent to earth to lead people to God, Sherry thought that she also was sent to earth for a purpose. And part of that was her Orgon missions, but in order to complete the missions, she needed money. And the request for money was always urgent.
3: I need $3,000 in copper pipes just right now, like yesterday. If somebody wants to donate that to the ministry or donate 3000 bucks so we can get our pipes, that would be awesome. I need a new vehicle to drive in. They've just about destroyed the one I have.
2: The thing is, she probably did need the money. Sherry didn't advertise on her websites or her radio show. She sold Orgone to her supporters, but she also gave them a recipe for them to make it themselves. So I don't know. I don't think that she actually had that much money. Listen to this from a show in 2008.
3: You know, I didn't have a a radio show. Uh, In 2005, spent a lot of time uh, homeless that year, and so... You know, it's always Satan's attacks. It's always one thing after the next.
2: It's hard to know what to believe from Sherry. Was she homeless? I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. But also, it could be part of the narrative that she spun about herself. This celestial being, sister of Jesus Christ, who was sent to Earth and was living this life of a poor servant of God— I had a conversation with an Oregon warrior over Facebook this week. He reached out to me after he heard the podcast. And he told me that Kelly Pingilly had not died by suicide, but that she was murdered. And he thought that the way that I've been portraying Sherry is wrong. Clearly, we don't see Sherry in the same way. And I asked him, I said, it seems like you're willing to question anything except for the things that Sherry said. I said, why is that? Why did you never question anything that Sherry said? And he responded, it's because I believe Sherry was who she said she was. He believes that Sherry was the daughter of God and the actual sister of Jesus. He believed that she spoke the ultimate truth. So he never questioned her. And he still stands behind her, even to this day. What you believe changes how you interpret what happened in 2016 and 2017, the events leading up to Stephen Minio's death. If you believe Sherry, well, then you would say that she became very adept at identifying traitors, agents of the New World Order who had infiltrated the Oregon Warriors, and she started to expose them. Another interpretation is that in the last few years of her life, she became paranoid, She became power-and-money-hungry, and she started to lash out at anyone who she thought would threaten her standing as the queen. It all depends on what you believe. From Cast Media, this is The Opportunist, a podcast about regular people who turn sinister simply by embracing opportunity. This is episode five in our series on Sherry Schreiner, I'm Hannah Smith. When Stephen Minio was 16 years old, he experienced two life-changing events. First, his mother left.
1: Stephen and his brother were teenagers. Mom and dad got divorced, and the mom just vanished.
2: This is Andrew Creckel, a prosecutor in Barbara Rogers' trial.
1: She just vanished out of the family. Um... So Stephen and his brother grew up the rest of their, you know, teen years in their 20s without their mom.
2: Stephen's mother, Donna, did an interview with the Oxygen Network, and she claimed that she had been dealing with abuse from Stephen's father for years and that once Stephen and his brother were old enough to take care of themselves, she left. She also claimed that Stephen's father turned both her sons against her after she left, so they were no longer part of her life. The second thing that happened when Stephen Minio was 16 was 9/11.
1: We have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. CNN Center right
2: now. Stephen was really rattled by the 9/11 attacks. He grew up in New Jersey and after 9/11, he felt unsafe living so close to New York. He was worried about future attacks and he started to fantasize about moving to a rural area. Then came the 9-11 Conspiracy Theory videos.
1: Was the U.S. government behind the greatest and most horrific act of terrorism ever? There is so much irrefutable proof that 9-11 was an inside job. During its last 12 seconds of flight, UA-175 made a single corrective maneuver so perfectly timed and executed that it's unlikely it was piloted by human hands.
0: They covered up what happened on 9-11, that they blocked the lawsuits, that Mueller was the
2: guy that... Stephen started to question what he knew to be true. And in 2009, he started a blog. He wrote, 9-11 truth is the gateway to further truths. His blog is called Truth Seeker, and it's dedicated to conspiracy theories. He wrote a lot about 9-11. He wrote about FEMA camps, the theory that FEMA is planning to use their emergency encampment facilities to illegally detain U.S. citizens. He made videos warning about worldwide economic collapse, and tyrannical government takeover.
1: People, remember the once great country we were. In the beginning, America was a gift from God. But unfortunately, nowadays, it's being run by tyrannical Satan-worshipping people. But always make sure that the God-given rights that we so strongly believe in always live inside you. God bless, get right with God, and a transmission over and out.
2: He also loved guns. He said that it was better not to register your gun so that the government wouldn't know that you have it. He started buying survivalist and military gear on Craigslist. He also purchased a gun on Craigslist that he didn't have a license for. That gun would eventually be used to kill him. After Stephen died, Sherry made a recording about him and posted it on her YouTube page.
3: You know, Steve and I met back in what 2010 when I came on Facebook. I didn't get on Facebook for two till 2010, and that's when Steve sent me a friend request. Back when I met him, he was he was a mouthy kid. He was he he was a couple years older than my own son. He's a city boy, suburb boy, whatever. He's a typical, Joyzy. He's <laughs> Joyzy. You know, he was funny. He was.
2: Stephen and Sherry became close through Facebook. They spent hours together online, regularly chatting late into the night.
3: He was, uh, you know, a fighter. He was all into this oh, we're going to start a second American revolution. and <laughs> He was always going out instigating trouble. That's what Steve was. He'd, he'd go out and put upside down flags on, on telephone poles and get in trouble with the police and throw a fit because he was taking garbage out of the dumpsters and getting cited for that.
2: Sherry talked about guiding and advising Stephen.
3: And I remember one time he contacted me and he said, I'm not, I have a court date and I'm not going. And I said, they'll put an arrest warrant out for you. And he said, I'm not going to go. And he's spewing up all the reasons he's not going to go. And I'm like, Steve, stay out of jail to fight another day. Take your fights wisely. He was just a kid. He's just a kid to be, you know. it's I kind of a mother to him. You know, I, he's a young kid. He's a Maltese. It calmed down a lot over the years.
2: Unlike some of the other Oregon warriors, I don't think that Stephen gave Sherry money. Or if he did, it wasn't very much. And that's because he didn't really have any money. He didn't have a job, and he lived with his dad, He sometimes sold things on Craigslist for some cash, but it wasn't significant income. But there were other things that Stephen did for Sherry. He was more internet savvy than she was, and so he spent time promoting her online. He became her loudest fan, fighting with her detractors on message boards and posting links to her website and YouTube comments. He also researched for her. He sent Sherry topics to talk about on Sherry Talk Radio. So FEMA, Federal
3: Emergency Management Agency, hello. They don't even really try to pretend now to actually help people because they're not here to help. They take over areas that have been destroyed and they become the biggest terrorists and pests in the place. They're not helping people. They're trying to confiscate their guns and, and put them on buses to internment camps.
2: It's likely that Stephen Mineo sent Sherry this information. The FEMA camp's conspiracy theory was one of his most posted topics at the time.
3: friend of mine in New Jersey being harassed by the FBI um, because he was going to trade reconditioned computers for survival gear. And among supplies that he was interested in, mentioned copper wire, quartz crystals. Had the FBI at his door. How ludicrous is that?
2: I can't help but wonder if Stephen, whose own mother left, found a maternal love in Sherry Schreiner. Perhaps he thought of her as kind of a mother, just as she thought of him as kind of a son. But Sherry's affections were never free. There were always strings attached. She expected to get something from the relationship, and she expected to never be questioned.
1: Purchase
0: new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. By
2: 2016, Sherry's health began to fail. She had a heart attack, which she survived. But then things started to unravel. She started to talk more about New World Order spies infiltrating the Oregon warriors, and she had very little tolerance for anyone who disagreed with her. No one was safe, not even those in her innermost circle. Which brings me to this. Before we get to the events of Stephen Minio's death, and we will get there, we need to talk about Richard Brown.
0: If you're a threat, they come after you. I mean, people that are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing and you are a threat, they're constantly, they don't let up. They try numerous things. They try to afflict you. They try to poison you. They try to hit you with chips. I have a chip in my left ear.
2: This is Richard Brown. I didn't get an interview with Richard. This is a clip that was pulled from Stephen Minio's YouTube page. It was a conversation that happened between Stephen and Richard sometime around mid 2017. Unfortunately, almost all of the videos on Stephen's YouTube page have been taken down. What he didn't take down himself got taken down after he died. So all I have are these random clips, just pieces of conversations. But Richard stands out in them as this kind of presence. He seemed like an important part of the Oregon Warriors. And I'd heard rumors that he knew Sherry really well, like he was one of her best friends. I asked Kate to do some research on Richard Brown, or as the Oregon Warriors called him, Brother Rich. So I'm excited to hear about what you have found out. Yeah, so I've done a lot of digging. I'm not exactly sure when Rich met Sherry. I know it was early, early 2000s. Rich lives in Ravenna, Ohio, um, which is an hour north of Carrollton, where Sherry lived. And we do know that they met in person a lot. The first time I have on record Sherry talking about Rich um, was in April 2010 when Rich began producing her Thursday shows. The next notable thing we have is April 9th, 2012. Rich uploaded um, videos to his YouTube channel about his trip to Fort Knox that he took with Sherry. Um, They went on an Oregon mission to like the military base there and Richard made like two videos about that. Is his YouTube still up? Are the videos still up there? Yes.
0: Coming up on the famous Fort Knox. While the gold bullion is held.
2: This video is called Operation Wormhole, the Oregon War, part one. Rich is sitting in the passenger seat of a car, maybe it's a van, filming out the window as they drive. It's a lot of shots of the highway and then an occasional billboard here and there, but mostly it's just trees and grass. But the most exciting thing about this video is that it is actual footage from an Oregon mission. I've heard Sherry talk about Oregon missions countless times. My understanding of them is that Sherry would go on a road trip with a small group of Oregon warriors in order to bombard an area with Orgone. But here, here is actual video from one of those missions. And it's a mission that I'd actually heard about before. It was in 2012. Sherry went to Fort Knox, Kentucky with a group of people to destroy an underground alien base. And Richard Brown was on that trip, and he took this video.
0: Rumor has it that Fort Knox is actually the new Dulcie base. Here we go, folks.
2: They drive under a bridge, and then Fort Knox appears off the highway to the right. Wow.
0: There it is.
2: And as they drive by, Rich rolls down the window to get a better view. Then, they just keep driving. Kelly Pingilly was also on this trip, along with Sherry, of course, and another Oregon warrior named Marianne. And as I was watching the YouTube video, I was hoping to see something, something that would offer a clue into what exactly went on during these missions. In the video, Rich is in the passenger seat, like I said, So, who's driving? Is Sherry driving? Is it Marianne? Is Kelly Pengelly in the car? I waited on the edge of my seat for Rich to turn the camera around, or even just to hear someone else talking in the video. But it never happened. I can't say that I'm totally surprised by that. Sherry didn't want her image easily accessible online. She said, having a picture of your face on the internet makes you an easier target for New World Order attacks. So it makes sense that Rich never showed his face in this video or anyone else's in the car. And then he signed off like this.
0: Coming to you from Fort Knox, folks. y'all bless. Die, lizards, die. Die, lizards, die.
2: I have to say, I was a little disappointed watching the video. I was expecting more. Sherry said on multiple occasions that these were dangerous missions, fraught with attacks from the New World Order. She made them sound important and glorious.
3: The stories I could tell. Yeah, it's good times. Good times, folks. Some of the best times I've had in my life. I've been going on Orgone missions for Dad and getting Oregon out and covering and securing our gates, north, south, east, west, if you do not have war going around them and you are living in an unwalled village. Because after all these years, I finally have the gates of Ohio secured.
2: <laughs> but watching Richard's video, it doesn't seem so glamorous. It doesn't seem like anything more than four people in a minivan driving from Ohio to Kentucky. Again. I think it just goes back to what you believe. Richard Brown didn't think of these as just road trips. He thought of these missions as epic battles in the ongoing war between good and evil, between humans and aliens, between Yahuwah and Satan. In 2015, Richard Brown did an interview and talked about Sherry Schreiner. The interview is no longer available online in its entirety, but I've found clips of it. Richard was telling the interviewer about the Oregon missions and about some of the odd things that they encountered.
0: One guy, he was like a lizard, man. You know, he's he was like guarding the lake and uh, he was just checking us out. And uh, I had these pendants on. and So I pulled them out. I had four pendants around my neck. And as soon as I exposed him, he walked right away. He left. He's like, OK, you guys have a good day.
2: Rich was implying that the man left because Rich pulled orgone pendants that he was wearing around his neck out of his shirt. Again, remember orgone is supposed to repel any agents of satan, lizard people, aliens, demons, etc. So, to him it was proof that this guy was some kind of evil agent because otherwise why would he have left? I mean, to be honest, if a stranger approached me in the middle of nowhere, and pulled out some crystal necklaces and held them out at me, I might walk away, too. But if you're always on the alert, and if you think that anyone around you could be a clone, then this logic makes sense. Going on Orgon mission was the equivalent to being on a battlefield in the war zone. And so they had to get in, place the Orgone, and get out. And they knew that the enemy would always be right on top of them trying to stop them.
0: I know for a fact, like when we were uh, getting ready to pull into this hotel, this is really crazy. We were driving down the road. We were in Kentucky at Fort Knox, and we were getting ready to check in. And this dude just came right by us, and he flipped us off. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get you, F-U-M-F, and all of that. And <laughs> We looked oh. at was like, really?
2: So what did they actually do on these Oregon missions? First of all, they road tripped to the location that Sherry had identified, either an underground alien base that needed neutralizing or the location that she knew aliens were about to attack. They brought supplies, tons of Oregon, bags and bags of it. And then they would arrive on location and suss it out, and Sherry would decide where the enemy's presence was strongest. And then they would find just the right spot for an attack. I've heard that the actual battle is kind of like a live-action role-playing experience. They pounded a location with orgone pucks until it was neutralized or protected. I think about Richard and Sherry driving a minivan from Ohio to Kentucky. They were both married to other people, with children. Going on these missions meant Richard had to take off work and sometimes spend days at a time on the road away from his family. And as far as I know, he wasn't paid anything. It wasn't like a work trip. Sherry's husband, Arch, didn't go on these missions either. In fact, she mentioned on several shows throughout the years that Arch wasn't really involved in her ministry at all.
3: You know, my husband thinks I'm nuts with Orgo, but he'll load my car. He'll cut my pipes. (laughs) And that's typically how it is with with most most couples, one of them thinks the other one's nuts, and, and, and that's how it is. It's nice if you've got a daughter or a son and, 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 and like a husband or a wife, and you can go out in Oregon together.
2: I think Sherry would have loved it if her husband, Arch, was really into the Oregon missions, if the whole family could have gone on them together, like a family vacation. She even recommended that people take their kids out with them on Oregon missions and make it like a fun family event.
3: You know, if, if you're if you're in an area and, you're, and you want to make it kind of fun for your kids, uh, look at the area you're heading and then go to that, that show, Diners, Drive Ins, and Dives, and see if he's featured any restaurants in that area and go visit one of those restaurants. And so kind of makes it fun for the kids.
2: Instead, Sherry had Richard Brown. From 2011 to 2016, he was her orgone mission buddy. He proudly said once that he was her navigator, and you could tell that he loved it. Richard and Sherry, they were in it together. Every few months, they loaded up the car with Orgone, left their children and spouses behind, and set off to Kentucky or New York or Indiana, Pennsylvania, or wherever there was a threat that needed their attention. And then Rich posted a follow-up video called Operation Wormhole, The Oregon War, Part 2. This video was taken after they supposedly destroyed the deep underground alien base.
0: The real warriors come here. The real warriors take over.
2: This video, it's the same as the first. Rich is recording from the passenger seat, filming the road in front of him, including the passing stores, the clouds, never the people in the car with him. He was excited when he filmed this, like he had a kind of post-battle high.
0: Death to the new world order. Death to you lizards. Death. Look at the skies. Even your cell towers that you elf people with. No more.
1: Terms apply.
2: Richard Brown was a true believer. Listening to him talk, it's clear that he was spiritually smitten with Sherry Schreiner. This is from that same interview from earlier, and he couldn't say enough good things about her.
0: You know, Sherry is not like other people. Um, When I first met Sherry, her aura blew me out the water. I felt God. Her love for the Lord is greater than anybody I know. She puts the Lord before everything, everything. And he's He's blessed her to come over here to be on this planet with us and share. We are so blessed to have somebody like her, you know, because there a lot of people that are false prophets. She has no ego. She is like this 24-7. She is so laid back. And I love it when she laughs, man. It just cracks me up. You can tell she, she's in a good mood.
2: Unlike other Oregon warriors, Richard had access to Sherry's personal life, her real life. He went to her house. He had dinner with her family.
0: Her kids are my niece's nephew. They call me Uncle Rich.
2: I have come to think of Brother Rich as one of Sherry's disciples. He spent his life, his time, dedicated to promoting the work of Sherry Schreiner and soaking up any moment that he could spend in her presence. He took pride in standing next to Sherry Schreiner. He liked being her number two.
0: You know what? i put it to you like this. Only certain people will meet Sherry, and that's the Lord's people. Maybe you'll get to meet her one day, but most people won't meet her because uh, they don't love the Lord, man. They don't love the Lord. They love themselves. You know, they like this kingdom here on Earth. They don't like what what's going down afterwards. In
2: 2016, things changed for Richard Brown. Sherry became convinced that the New World Order was sending spies into her organization.
3: Cloning facility underneath the White House. Uh, All they have to do is they, they, they hook you up, they hook the original person up to a machine. And this machine records their brains.
2: Sherry said it was Satan's mission to replace every human being with a clone and that he had already gotten pretty far, that he had already replaced most high-ranking Americans, but he also replaced everyday people.
3: When they make a clone, they can put that microchip, they can upload all that information into the little computer brain that the clone has. So then the clone acts exactly like you do. They, they say the same things you would say. They like the same things you would like. They hate the, the things
2: you hate. It could happen at any moment to anyone. Someone could be themselves one day. Everything would be normal. And then, bam, overnight, they've been replaced by a clone. Anyone could be a spy or a traitor. Even Oregon warriors who she'd known for years, even friends, Sherry started talking more and more about clones on her show in 2016. She became convinced that the New World Order was beginning to aggressively target her mission, sending spies into the Oregon Warriors to take her down. But not to worry, she said, Sherry could tell who was a true believer and who wasn't. The truth would always come out in the end.
3: You know, I, I see in the Bible codes how I'm, I'm choosy, <laughs> choosy, choosy. Choose my friends wisely. Choose those that are allowed to get close to me wisely.
2: Around the same time that Sherry started to become paranoid that Satan was infiltrating her ranks, she was also promoting her new book, Interview with the Devil. She took three entire radio shows to talk about it. She walked people through the ideas, and then encourage them to buy it.
3: This book is epic. Information revealed is accurate, it's astounding, it's like a missing chapter of Enoch. Uh, people who have read it have been gripped by the information, they couldn't put the book down. There's nothing contrary to the word of God that's in it, it's in alignment with the word of God.
2: Richard Brown had always believed that Sherry was genuine, that she wasn't just another preacher trying to get rich and famous.
0: People rather party and buy benzes and, and houses and boats and yachts. and They could actually be uh, contributing to the ministry. You know, we're broke, man. All of us are broke. We don't live lavish lives. We live poor. And the Lord's people are poor. But we're rich in spirit with His Spirit.
2: But when Sherry started telling people to buy her book, when she started promoting it pretty hardcore, this didn't sit well with Richard.
3: I've talked to Richard Brown and uh, he wants absolutely nothing to do with Sherry because he was telling me that uh, she's become all about the money for her books. This uh, interview with the devil and the other one, he was saying it was all about the money and he had confronted her about this and she lost her shit on him and uh, they got in a big argument.
2: This is Mike Halligan, former Oregon lawyer that we heard from in episode one. Mike and his wife were accused of being FBI agents, and they were ousted from the Oregon Warriors in October of 2016. Six months before Sherry kicked out Mike Hall, in March of 2016, she metaphorically killed Richard Brown. And the next
3: thing
1: you know, he
0: had his soul ripped from his body and thrown into hell, and he
2: fell from the ladder and died. And
1: I'll never forget it. Beverly called me that day, called my phone and told me all this shit.
2: Sherry wrote a post on Facebook in which she said Richard Brown's soul had been ripped from his body and that he was currently burning in hell. She said that the man walking around in Richard's body, the man living in Richard's house, that was a clone. At the time, Mike Hall was still in Sherry's good graces, and he unfriended Rich on Facebook when Sherry called Rich a clone, as did all the other Oregon warriors. I'm not really sure exactly what went down with Rich and Sherry. They had been friends for at least six years when she kicked him out of the group. Partially, my guess is that Rich felt Sherry had become more interested in money than anything else. But also, perhaps it was that her message had changed a bit over the years. The mythology that she had created around herself had grown. After all, she announced that she was the actual sister of Jesus Christ And then she wrote a whole book about it. And then she promoted that book and told everyone that they had to buy it.
0: She claims that she's the most high, the only one who can get to the father. Didn't she used to teach us that we can seek the father and let him guide us? It's been a long time since she said anything like that whatsoever. She hasn't said anything about us having that personal relationship. It's all about her having that personal relationship. And we are to do as she says.
2: A few months later, Richard posted a new video on YouTube.
0: What's up, folks? My name is Rich Brown. People want to question whether or not I'm a cloner in hell. Look at all this Oregon Oregon that I've used on missions, Oregon that was blessed and given to me to do missions.
2: In the video, he's walking around this small patio and he's showing off all of his orgone. There are multiple chem blasters, which are these gallon buckets filled with orgone and then a big copper pipe sticking up out of them, pointing toward the sky. These are the ones that are supposed to dissolve or block the chemtrails.
0: Y'all think I'm in hell, y'all think I'm a clone. Let me show y'all something.
2: And then he does something that he's never done before.
0: Look at my damn eyes.
2: He turns the camera around and shows his face.
0: I ain't never did this, but I did this because Yahushua follower wanted me to do it because he said, this will prove that I'm not a clone. Well, guess what? I'm not a damn clone and I ain't in hell. I never went up against anybody. I never went up against Sherry. So you know what? Now you see my face. Do you see me blinking? Oregon affects clones, not humans. Not the father's people.
2: Rich walks around, stands right next to one of the chem blasters, and then shows his face again. The reason he does this is that it's supposed to be proof to the other Oregon warriors that he's not a clone. Because according to Sherry, clones physically cannot be near Orgon; It would burn them. It would repel them. And there he is. He's standing right next to this Oregon and showing his face.
0: So you know what? Here's your video, here's the Oregon, and look at the damn blue skies above me. You don't see no damn chemtrails, do you? So we're going to see what you going to do with this video.
2: So what did the Oregon Warriors do with this video? With this proof that Rich wasn't a clone, even though Sherry said he was a clone? Did it make any of them stop and say, hmm, maybe Sherry is wrong? Of course not. No. Sherry commented on the video saying that Rich had dead-looking eyes. And then the other Oregon lawyers piled on saying that he was always arrogant and self-centered and just bashing him. Sherry wrote, For some reason, the government thinks haters will slow me down. It just inspires me.
3: All my wants and dreams... And everything that I had planned to do from the time I was 13, 14 years old, I gave it all up for him because I had to realize that, you know, to be a part of him, we have to give up this world. We have to become 100% his.
2: Sherry made it clear that just as she claimed to be 100% a servant to Yah, she also expected her followers to be 100% supporters of her. No questions asked. Richard Brown knew that Sherry was wrong about him being a clone, because he knew he wasn't a clone. But in his attempt to discredit Sherry, he also is clearly still a believer. He's using Sherry's logic to try to discredit Sherry. He still believes in the power of Orgone. He still calls himself a follower of the Most High. He seems conflicted in between, like he's a believer, but he's also not a believer. When I watch this video, Richard Brown seems more heartbroken than anything else. The title of the video is The Warrior Who Was Betrayed. I think Richard Brown felt betrayed. Sherry was his friend, his spiritual mentor. He saw her as a sister. He believed in her. He loved her. Sherry had said that going on these Orgo missions was the best times of her life, which means She spent the best times of her life with Richard Brown. But the relationship only worked because he believed her without questioning her for years. He did exactly what she said, and he always praised her. But then when he spoke up, she left him. There's this one piece of tape that I think about. It's the only tape I have in which Richard and Sherry are talking to each other. It's from 2011. Rich called in to Sherry Talk Radio, and they talked about chemtrails mostly, but then in the end they had this interaction.
0: You're definitely a definite trooper, my sis. That's why I call you sis. I love you so much. <laughs> you, uh, you, you know, and that laugh, man, that laugh makes my day. It makes my day. Keep on doing what you're doing. I'm praying for you every day to keep the attacks away because you got to keep on.
3: Well, thanks for calling in, bro. You know, I love you, too.
0: You take care. Hey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: Richard ultimately slowly disappeared back into his life, letting things go with Sherry. But not even a year later, he would be dragged right back into this conversation when Stephen Minio reached out to him to try to join forces to take Sherry down. In March of 2017, a warrior named Marianne reminded the Oregon warriors that it had been one year since Richard Brown's soul had been cast into hell. Around the same time, a new voice was part of Sherry's circle. Her name was Barbara Rogers, but she was going by Barbara Minneo on Facebook, calling herself Stephen Minio's wife. And soon after that, Stephen would have his own falling out with Sherry. But instead of going quietly, like Richard Brown, he would fight. And then he would pull Richard back into the fight with him.
1: I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I've been supporting her for 14 years. You realize how fucked up this is? What she did to us? Steve, you'll be
0: more level-headed. You have to let the anger simmer. You have to recognize, Steve, that, you know what, all you're doing is you're playing her game this is serious business steve and this is a spiritual situation also steve demons come and attack those who are angry and you could get under attack
2: next time on the opportunist she would separate people
3: she broke up relationships and if she could get a devout follower and the
2: the other spouse didn't see it the same way then that person should leave I had another boyfriend at the time that I started dating. I did try to introduce him to Sherry, let him listen to what she was saying and showed him her website. He called her a crackpot and said, this is insanity. What are you doing? And that was one of the things that let me know we weren't compatible.
3: This is the barber we knew, the vampire witch who liked feces and raw hamburger meat. She craves it all the time, delicacy for her. There was no need for Steve to teach her how to shoot, she already knew how to shoot. She's not the timid young girl she wants people to think she is. Look at her jailhouse photo, she's 42 years old.
2: He just said that Sherry had told him to divorce his
3: wife and move down to Florida. He pretty much uh, (laughs) lived in tents and did the homeless routine for four or five months. Once she got somebody under her control, she was very, very cultish, controlling, manipulative.
2: That thing called Barbara Rogers read my mind. Sherry was right about everything. She wasn't crazy and we're not a cult. We want her vindicated, and trust me, there will be a time when the whole world knows exactly who Sherry really is. If not, you've got a lot to
3: look forward to
2: The Opportunist is a cast-original podcast. It's produced by myself and Kate Mays. Editing, sound design, mixing and mastering by Matt Sewell. Colin Thompson is our executive producer, music editor, and supervisor. Story development help from Jennifer Cron. Our podcast art is by Coat of Arms. The Opportunist is written by me, Hannah Smith. Original script and some interviews by Tony Rousseau. Thank you to everyone at Cast Media for your feedback and support. The ending credits song is A Lot to Look Forward to by Lester Norton. Doesn't matter anymore Someday when someone says to you Darling, you and I are through You'll see
3: what you've had
1: forward
0: to Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah that's me. Nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's
1: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries.
3: Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.